Good morning to everybody uh, joining us on Facebook, either now or later. Glad to have you with us. God is good, and we are blessed, blessed to be here today. Um, I want to share with you a, a praise report. I saw a, a picture last night on Facebook. I don't know if, if you remember me talking about us supporting uh, Manos Extendidas ministry in Honduras, Pastor Alvin Anderson, uh, some of the difficulties that they were facing there in the uh, capital city of uh, Tegucigalpa, where they're normally stationed, where they normally do ministry with uh, the, the virus and the shutdown. They were actually under martial law, which means the military is in control. You don't have your normal rights to come and go freely. And so many, many people who live day to day anyway weren't able to get out, weren't able to uh, do anything to earn money. And, and so the ministry, the churches that are there and the support that comes from the states, they were feeding uh, people. Remember, they were getting, uh, I wrote it down, 20, uh, 23-pound bags of food for $11, right? Which is pretty awesome. Feed a, feed a family of six uh, for about a week. Uh, with what they were getting. Now they were, you know, it's, it's flour, it's cornmeal, it's, it's the basics, but uh, able to feed folks. So, so we uh, sent them some money already, gonna be sending them some more. Thank you for everybody who's given towards that already. Uh, if, if you'd like to uh, just mark that on uh, an envelope or on a check and just put Honduras and make it out to the church and we'll get it sent to them. But they had tables and tables and tables stacked up with these bags of food that were going out into the community. And one of the testimonies that he shared in the, in the newsletter was a young woman, single mother, two kids, two small kids. And um, they realized that they had taken her food, but they didn't know that she didn't have uh, formula or powdered milk for the baby. And so he called her and said, hey, we found out that you need this. We're, we're, we're coming, we're bringing it. And she said, don't worry. I took the bag that you brought of the flour and I made donuts and I took them and I sold them. And so I have had some money come in. So you just see the creativity of, of people that, that just blessed my heart. She didn't just take it and go, okay, we're going to eat this. And that's going to be, that, that's going to be it. She said, how can I take this and use it to do more? And, and so it was, of course he said he was just crying because she was, oh my gosh, she, she, we, we took that to her to eat and she's taking it and selling it so her family can do even better. Uh, so bless the Lord. We're going to be sending them uh, some more money uh, this month. I, I did the math on it enough to uh, get 50 more bags of food over a thousand pounds and, and feed uh, 300 people. So, so 50 families uh, fed for a week. That's almost a year's worth of eating. Bless the Lord. Uh, for uh, I, I have to imagine it would cost a lot more if we did it if we did it here, but we're able to do that there because they have a body of believers that's committed and ready to show up and work and do that. They had a room full of church members uh, putting those bags together. So thankful for them, thankful for the for the work that's going forth uh, there. Uh, God is good. I'm thankful that we know them and trust them and can be involved even outside of of our community. Thank you for everybody who's uh, continued your faithfulness to give to the kingdom as you've purposed in your heart, even in this weird uh, time. Uh, God has continued to bless. It's been a blessing to my heart to just see that, uh, not, not just the willingness, but the intentionality of I'm going to do this. I'm going to find a way to continue to do this 
and, and it just blesses my heart. Uh, we, we do have that available in the back. I think everybody knows that. Uh, and don't forget, we've got online giving available now on the website. Pretty easy. Uh, go on there and check it out if you think that would be helpful to you. Again, just so uh, thankful and humbled to see the commitment of God's people to what he's doing here. It's really been, really been a blessing. Amen. Well, open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 7, and we're going to be in verse 18. I'm going to have one of the kids come up and read it this week because it's a little bit longer stretch, uh, but we'll get one of them back up here next week, I think. Luke 7, 18, and while uh, you're turning there, uh, this Wednesday night, uh, we are going to gather together here at the church. We've been uh, virtual only on, on Wednesday nights uh, for prayer. Uh, and I just felt, I was like, Lord, what's the best way to do this? How do we, and I just, because we had committed to one Wednesday night a month for sure, spending time in prayer uh, here uh, together. And so going to do that. I know schedules can be a little bit different. So I'm going to have it open in here from 6 to eight, uh, you can come and go uh, however you're free, however you're able. Uh, Kelly's going to keep an eye on uh, the kids, so if you want to come, bring the kids. She'll let them play in the back, and then the youth are going to have uh, their time together, at least during a portion of that. Moving back towards uh, gathering together like we're used to on Wednesday night, but how, how important is it going to be uh, for us to continue to pray together? Uh, all the things we see going on in our country uh, right now, all, all the things that we, we deal with in our own hearts and lives on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, prayer and that time with God, taking our petitions and our needs to Him, not worrying about them, not being fearful about them, but bringing them to Him and then allowing the peace of God to cover the situation, not only in our hearts, uh, but then abounding out from us. So. I look forward to that. I, will, I do still plan to post a, a short uh, encouragement uh, for all those who, are, who won't be able to come staying in. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be moving back towards having Bible study together in the cafe uh, before too much longer. But definitely we're going to be spending time together in prayer this Wednesday night. So mark that down. It's going to feel different, right? Wednesdays have felt a little bit different for a little while. And get back to, uh, get, get back to a normal so hopefully you found Luke 7 and verse 18. And I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read through verse 30 and then we'll pray over the word as we receive it this morning. It says the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back and tell John, tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. 
After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting maybe to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Forgive us of our sin as we approach you today. I pray that you open our eyes to the wonders of your word. Reveal to us more about your character, your kingdom, your goodness, and your grace, and our life in it. I thank you that you encourage us, you confront us, and you, you, you most importantly love us through your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this section is talking a lot about John the Baptist, and we've, we, we've heard about him as we've gone through uh, the, the book of Luke. Uh, we remember that he was a miracle baby promised by God uh, to an older couple who hadn't had any children, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And he was born just as God promised through the angel that he would be. And some of the prophecy about him was that he would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah, which was a big name for them, right? We read about Elijah and all the things that he did for the Lord. And it said that John would preach repentance and he would he would turn the hearts of many back to their God. And he would cause rebels to receive wisdom. Right. And so he when we find him next, he's a man grown up living out in the wilderness, kind of a wild man wearing camel skin and eating locusts and honey and preaching beside the river Jordan a message of repentance. Repent, which means change the way that you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is coming and he's baptizing people. And we talked about how that was such a new thing that wasn't, you know, for us, baptism, we're like, oh yeah, baptism. We, we kind of know about that. It was new to them. They had some ceremonial washing that, that would take place and they would also baptize Gentiles into the faith. But it was very strange for them to be baptized again, especially out here and for this purpose. And he came preaching that. And then he announced Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to John, who was kind of his cousin, right? I mean, if the Son of God can have a cousin, his, his, his mother was related to John's mother. And so Jesus came and said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, no, you should be baptizing me and everybody else. And Jesus said, you baptize me. And when he did, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. And the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So a lot of stuff going on. John was a very, uh, very intense, obviously, preacher. Uh, and, and he was very passionate for the things of God. And one of the things that he would speak out against were people that weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. One of the leaders at that point, Herod uh, Antipas, which there's more than one Herod, it can get confusing, but they were all pretty similar uh, in their character, apparently. Uh, John spoke out against him because he said, you're a leader of Israel and here you've married your brother's wife. 
in, in, in an adulterous relationship, you brought your brother's wife into your house and, and married her. And that didn't go over real well uh, with the leader and especially with the leader's wife. Uh, she said, he can't be out here talking about us like that. You've got to do something. Have him arrested. Tell him to shut him down, right? And John, as a preacher, must have been j just anointed and powerful because he even cut to the heart of a man like Herod because Herod had some form of respect for John. It says in, in Scripture that Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked to him, talked to John. But even so, he liked to listen to him. And I underlined that in my Bible. I was like, I think you could say that about some preaching, right? I was greatly disturbed by what he said, and yet I just kept listening. I was just, I, he was hooked in and not the same for his wife. But John was thrown into prison and, and the wife of Herod, her name was Herodias. She hated the man. She hated John because of what he was saying about them. And so at a point later, while John is in prison, Herod threw a party and Herodias' daughter, Herod's nephew, danced for the party. And it wasn't an approach, you know, it, it wasn't a chaste dance. We got kids in there, so, so I'm not going to be very descriptive. Uh, but it wasn't like a dance recital where you'd want to see your daughter doing in the, in the dance recital. It wasn't like that at all. Uh, but they were, you know, they're, 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 they're all probably heavily intoxicated. And this is going on here. It's like, oh, that was beautiful. That was amazing. I, I'll give you whatever you ask for. Up to half my kingdom, you can have whatever you want. So she goes to her mom. She's like, well, what should we ask for? He's offered this, which was a big thing to be offered that by one of the leaders because he's binding himself in honor to, to do whatever you ask for. And she said, well, tell him that we want the head of John the Baptist to kill John the Baptist. And so she goes back and says that Herod's, you know, kind of broken up by that again. He kind of liked John, but he put himself in a bad position by prom promising her he would give her whatever she wanted. And so he did. He had John beheaded. John was killed in prison at this party. And so... I say all that to, to, to give this context in Matthew 11, which tells this same story. It gives us the additional fact that when John sent these disciples to Jesus, he was actually in prison at the time for this very thing at the order of Herod. So this is the context behind John sending disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we look for someone else? It's a big question. Are you the son of God? or not is another one coming. So, so why would John ask this question? There's some theories about that. The first one that we think of as being obvious, John was, you know, having a hard time in his life. He was doubting what he had believed. We're assuming that, but we know the question. We know what he asked. So we're trying to look in there to the background. He wanted confirmation. Maybe he's not sure. Maybe he was concerned that with him in prison, his disciples were doubting. Maybe that's why he sent these two. Maybe they needed encouragement from Jesus. But regardless, the, the need is the same. What would have driven both of these? John, this mighty prophet who saw many people repent and be baptized to prepare the way for Jesus' coming. He's been put in jail on bogus charges. And so there's a question there. It's like, is this going like it's supposed to go? This wasn't what we pictured. So they ask, are you God? Are you the Messiah? Or are we waiting for someone else? 
So maybe the subtext underneath that question is this wasn't how I pictured this whole thing going when the Messiah was coming. We thought it was going to be different. We thought this was going to play out differently. We thought it was going to be more immediate. We thought it was going to be more governmental. We didn't know what to expect, but we didn't think it would look like this. Maybe John was frustrated because he knew that Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. And we've seen Jesus veil that in the early part of his ministry and not talk about it yet. And he's ready to say, hey, rip, rip the cover off. Show people who you are. Tell them what's going on. Tell them what this is about. These are some things that we think could have caused that. That is, this, this whole situation isn't jumping off like he thought it would. Because we, we would think that too, right? Like, all right, you're here. When do we win? When do we win? The Romans are still here. They're still oppressing people. There's still a lot of bad stuff going on. When do we win? Are you the Messiah or do we wait for another? And I notice Jesus' response wasn't, John, really? We're cousins. Really? All this time, you sorry, non-believing thing. You're going to doubt me. After all of this, John, you baptized me. You saw the Holy Spirit. God spoke from the clouds. You were there. John, really? He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said in verse 21, because at this time, Jesus was, again, bringing the good news of the kingdom. And that involved healing and deliverance for those that were troubled by evil spirits and a restoration of people who had suffered from long illnesses, sight to the blind. And he told John's disciples, go back and tell him what you've seen. Go back and tell him what you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear and the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor, which isn't it neat that he equates the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the dead being raised to life with the good news being preached to the poor, with the gospel being preached. They're on the same level. And so he's telling them, go back and tell John that you're seeing the signs of salvation, that I'm doing the Messiah things that I said that I would do. We remember when Jesus read from the book of Isaiah in the synagogue, one of the first pronouncements of him being here. And for this purpose, it was the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Right. And he goes through the different things. And it's a, that what he says to them is kind of a mashup of that and uh, a, a few other spaces in Scripture, minus one important part that is usually in there, which is the captives will go free, right? Those that are in captivity will go free. And that's omitted by what he sends back to John in the message. And so was it going to happen? Yes. Is it part of the Messianic prophecy? Yes. But he, what I believe he's communicating to John and to his disciples is this may look different than what you thought it was going to look like. It's not going to look like you thought. It's going to be better. It's going to be bigger, but it's not going to look like you thought. And then he tells John, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. God blesses those who are not offended because of me. Offense, to take offense means it's something that keeps you from being able to think right and act right. And I believe Jesus is telling them, this isn't looking like you thought it would look. Don't let that turn you away from me because I'm still doing something. Are you the Messiah or do we wait for another? I am the Messiah, John. 
but I'm not coming with a SWAT team to bust you out of jail. That's not what this is going to look like. And it's okay that you don't know that. This has never happened before. The Messiah has never come before. You didn't know what to expect. And so your expectations are understandably shook by this. Because again, this has never happened before. So we know, we know what happened to John, that he was killed, that he was murdered in captivity on bogus charges at the whim of a young teenage girl who had danced inappropriately for her stepdad. How tragic and senseless does that seem when we hear it, right? And I'm sure for John, that wasn't how he thought it would go. That's a dark moment in his life. And it stands as a challenge to the view that when you follow Christ, that everything will go only well with you all the time, right? That when you follow Christ, all struggles and issues will cease. Now, we know that's not true, but we still want to believe it, right? And there is a space on the inside of us that it's right and good to believe that because at the end of all things, we will see perfection in him. And also we will continue to deal with struggles and issues and dark days on this side of heaven. We're right to look forward in faith, but we'll be offended if we expect to see it all right now. Remember what Jesus said, he said, you will be mocked for my name. You'll be excluded because of me. People are going to run you out of the synagogues because of me. That doesn't sound like a ticker tape parade, right? Oh, they're following Jesus. We're going to make sure everything goes well with them. Because there still are kingdoms of this world that are contrary to the kingdom of God. And there's a friction there that we live in while we're here. But we read things and we hear things when he says stuff like that. We're like, yeah, but not us really, right? Like not us, right? But he didn't exclude anyone. So what we know is there are times when this life, the life that we live here is going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And there are times that it's going to hurt really, really Bad. Regardless, in Christ, out of Christ, you're going to deal with trouble in this life. You're going to deal with hurt in this life. You're going to deal with struggle in this life. And without Christ, it's going to completely destroy you. It's going to wipe you off the map. It's going to take you down to nothing and leave you there. But in Christ, those same things look different. And I want to read out of 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 14. Turn there. When I first started preaching, I would go to more scriptures and I would always turn there. And Kelly told me once, she said, why do you sit there? You know where you're going. Why don't you just mark it? in your Bible and then just turn right to it. And I said, it gives me a chance to breathe. <laughs> gives me a chance 
to breathe. So 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 14. I just want you to see this, what Paul wrote about this type of life. Four and starting in 14. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. He's saying even just physically as our bodies age into weakness. That we become more and more alive on the inside in Christ. That God's grace reaches more and more people and it reaches them rightly. Because if they come to God just because, well, hey, I see you and you're doing really good. You know, you got your house and it's nice and it's paid for and your kids seem to be behaving and they're all following the Lord. And you got a nice car. Everything seems to be going good. You got Jesus. I want that, too. What happens on the first day? Things don't go well. What happens on the first? Because they didn't see everything that you walked through. They didn't see everything that you went through. They didn't see everything that you had to trust God through. To get there. And so on the first day that they have to do that, if they weren't expecting it, what's going to happen? They become offended at him. But when they see you and you're honestly dealing with, hey, I'm, I dealt with this. I walked through this. This was a tough time for me. This was a dark night of the soul for me. But he held me close and he sustained me and he held me up and he wasn't far from me. He was for me. And it testifies that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And it says grace goes out to more and more because we will see trouble. It says that we're not going to focus on the troubles that we see today because Paul says it is vastly outweighed by the glory that is prepared for us. It becomes nothing lightweight that the glory that is going to come after is kicking it off the scale. Faith sees through the current trouble, even when it's unfair, even when it's unjust, even when it's wrong, that it's even coming at us in the natural. Faith sees through that to the glory that Christ has worked and prepared. And it holds me fast. It holds me to him. Faith sees through those things. See, I wonder if John thought he had made a mistake. I wonder if his condition in prison made him doubt what he had done, what he had said. Well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe I didn't pro proclaim him to be the Messiah like I should have. Maybe it's somebody else, right? Because when we're going through difficulties, if we get focused on the difficulties, it can cause us to doubt. 
And see, he's in prison. He's alone. His disciples are able to come visit him, not as much as they would if he was out, right? He can't go and see Jesus, talk to Jesus. And what we know is that doubt grows in the distance. If there's distance there, there's opportunity for doubt to take root and grow. If I haven't seen you for a while, I may not trust that you love me, that you're for me, that you support me, right? I may be quicker to believe that you said something bad about me, that you've changed your heart towards me. We, we see that, right? But if we're close, and I use this example all the time, if I'm in Walmart and somebody says, hey, didn't, you know, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know them. I went to school with them. Been a while since I've seen them. Oh, well, I saw them the other day and they said you were just an awful, dirty piece of trash. I'm going to go, well, why would they say that about me? That's, that sounds terrible. But if I'm in Walmart and somebody comes to me and said, aren't you Kelly Ward's husband? Yeah. Well, I saw her yesterday and she said you were an awful, horrible, terrible piece of trash that you weren't worth anything. What am I going to say? She didn't say that. Right. Because there's a closeness there. But in the other situation, there's been a lot of distance and there's room for doubt to grow. I don't know them anymore. I don't I, I don't know that I can trust them. I don't know their heart because I've been away. And John was tucked away in prison. And so you see there's plenty of opportunity there for doubt to grow in that distance. To where he's probably wondering, did I miss it? Dark days can make you question yourself. And we can feel that way when pain and hurt abounds out of this sin-soaked world and we deal with it face to face. We, we, we can question and there can be doubts that come up. And, and then the other thing that can be attributed uh, either us to ourselves or to someone else. We're like, well, maybe John just missed it. Maybe John was in sin. Maybe John was in fear and doubt and unbelief. Maybe he, it was something wrong with him, Right. Maybe he was the problem. Did he miss it? Was it his fault? When something's going wrong with somebody else, we want to figure out what could have caused it that would exempt us from it. Right? Did you hear about so-and-so? What? Oh, he's got cancer. He's got, he's got lung cancer. Oh, was he a smoker? Right? Because I'm not a smoker. That means I would be safe from it. Oh, did you hear it? So-and-so got, got in a bad car accident. Ooh, were they texting? Were they drinking? Were they, were they speeding? Right? We want to find out what caused it, because if I don't do that, then I can avoid it. And so it's easy for us to go, well, John's doubting. He, he, he's separated from Jesus. The problem must be with him. Maybe it was his, in his own heart. And Jesus, you know, spoke to John's disciples and says, after they walked away, everybody else is still there. And I really believe that Jesus wanted to preserve. He, he knew what was going to happen to John when he sent that message. And he wanted to make sure. Let me tell you, all I don't want you all to get twisted about John. You want to know about John? I'll tell you about John. John is the prophet that was promised in the Old Testament that would come and prepare the way. Who did, who did you go out there to see? Because let me tell you what, he wasn't a reed blown this way and that, just bowing down for whatever breeze would blow this away. Why'd you go out there? Did you go out there because he was rich and famous and because he dressed really nice? Is that what drew you? No, it wasn't because John was dressed like a wild man. He was wearing his camel skin. I thought about that. I was thinking as I was reading this again, I don't want to, Jesus is preserving John's ministry. 
and him as a person. But I thought, Eddie, about how rough John would have had to have been. Right. He's an out. He's outside the city. He lives out in the wilderness, part of a little group out there. I don't think he was all by himself. But look, they, they were e extreme. <laughs> they were radicals. Right. And he was rough looking and he's dunking people in the Jordan River, which we've heard about the Jordan at, at that time. You know, wasn't like the prettiest, best river. It was a river, but it wasn't like, oh, let's go play in the Jordan River. It was a muddy River. So all of these people were coming. And so I thought first, you know, sometimes you could say maybe they were coming just to see the show. Right. Let's go listen to the wild man who's out there talking. But his message was so anointed. It was cutting to their hearts that they got in the water with the wild man and let him put them under the water and baptize them. How powerful was his ministry that it would accomplish that? He wasn't bringing them to an auditorium. They weren't sitting in the air conditioning. They're, just, they're going outside the city. Where y'all going? Hey, there's a man out there who's talking like nobody else does talking. That weird guy, he's weird, but you got to listen to him. And it's just like Herod said, it, it would perplex him and frustrate him and, and even terrify him. But I just can't stop listening to him. And so Jesus is saying, what y'all go out there to see? I'll tell you what you went out there to see. You went out to see the prophet who was testifying of the coming of the Messiah. John's, John's life here isn't going to end like I would want it to end. But don't take anything away from what John did. He said, there's not been anyone born of a woman better than John the Baptist. That's what he said. That's what he said. And what did he follow it up with? But the least in the kingdom is greater than John. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't get it twisted about my cousin, but understand this whole thing's about to shift. This whole thing is about to turn. And it may not look like you thought it was going to look, but I am here. You don't have to wait for another. Even the least in the kingdom will be greater than John. John was the last Old Testament prophet testifying of the Messiah, preaching repentance. And I believe what Jesus is saying here is this is about much more than just getting John out of prison. The kingdom is going to change everything. And we talk about being able to see with eyes of faith that the things that we see now, the troubles we see now will soon be gone. But they are working. Even them, God, God's even using the bad things in life to work towards glory. That's how good he is, that he can work all of that out and it end in glory. Faith in Christ does not exempt you from struggle, pain or trouble in this life. Those things are going to come and go in your life regardless. Regardless, And again, without Christ, it'll bring you low and leave you with no hope. In Christ, that which would have whooped me, destroyed me, left me low and without hope, actually begins to have an opposite effect because it strengthens me on the inside, strengthens my resolve, and strengthens his hold on my heart and my life. The same waves that would have swallowed me up, he uses to lift me up. The waves are coming regardless. The outcome is different for the believer who follows in faith. Jesus said, who did you go out there to see? 
What were you expecting when you went out there? So what are we looking for? Who are we going to church to see? Are we looking for someone who's going to just take all our troubles away? Are we looking for someone who's going to just fix all our immediate problems? Well, here, here's, I mean, if I had to, you know, maybe that he'd get rid of all of my needs. Maybe that he'd, he'd eradicate all of my worries and all of my trouble. And yet, by the way, could he just destroy my limitations? I'm tired of those. I don't like those. And if you think that way, what you realize, if you really look at it, is we're wanting him to get us to a space where we don't need him. God, take away everything that would drive me to you. Take away everything that would require me to trust in you. And again, it's good and right to see that in our future because it's coming. And that's what home looks like, is all of those things, all the ugly things remade into beauty, all the bad things remade into good. That's what home looks like. But Jesus said, blessed are those who don't turn away because of me. Blessed are those who aren't offended by me. He said, in this life, you will have troubles. That's not one of our favorite parts, right? In this life, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer. Because I've overcome this world. This life isn't all that there is. And, and he is with us in all things. He is there with us, holding us to him through everything that we go through, through the good and through the bad, through the beautiful and through the ugly, through the peace and through the pain. He's there. He said, I won't leave you. Don't turn away because of me. I won't leave you. You don't leave me. He's there with comfort and strength all the way home. And we're going to have questions just like John did. And you know what? He's going to handle us with the same grace that he did, John. He's going to handle us with the same grace that he did. God, I don't understand this. Just come close. Just come close. What did John say? He said, are you the Messiah? He needed to be reminded. He needed to be encouraged because he was in a tough spot. And Jesus's answer was, I am the Messiah. You don't have to wait for anybody else. The kingdom is advancing. It may look different than what you thought, but don't be offended by me. Even in dark days, even in troubling times, we can go to him. I love it that John had, had, had to do this with others. Hey, I'm in, I'm in prison. I'm in a dark place right now. Go to Jesus for me. Right? That's what the body of Christ does. I'm struggling today. I'm having a hard time this week. Go to Jesus for me. Bring word from Jesus back to me. Encourage me with what he tells you. Build me up by what he said. Quench my fear with the peace that comes from him. And then when it's reversed, I'll do the same thing for you. He sent us and said, go to Jesus for me. Go and ask him. I need to hear again what he said.
I need to hear over again what he said because my heart wants to doubt. My heart wants to despair. I need something to build and strengthen my faith. So he sent people. And they came back with the word and the message from Jesus that I believe encouraged John and held him up through his last day on the earth. He needed to be reminded. He needed to be encouraged. Jesus said, I am. Even in troubling times, we can go to him on our, that's why we go to scripture to be reminded. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and faith sees through the troubles that we deal with now and into the glory that is prepared for us. That's already at work and active on the inside and will soon and one day be complete and overall that exceeding weight of glory. Again, you think about those old scales like the scales of justice where you would try to it maybe you would try to get it balanced. He's like, no, when you put the glory on one side, it outweighs everything else. It outweighs everything else that you can face because he is better. Amen. He is better. And if you go ahead and come, we'll get ready to. To sing together. He said, blessed are those who do not turn away because of me. How I'm handling things. He said, I know I've come with the kingdom. I'm bringing it. I know how it's all going to play out. Hang in there. Don't fall away because I didn't handle it the way you thought I should handle it. And John dealt with fear and he dealt with doubt just like we all do. And Jesus didn't condemn him for that. He said, be strengthened. Don't be offended by me. I am who I said I was. I'll do what I said I would do. It may look a little bit different, John. But be of good cheer. Amen. I thought, I thought about as I was, I, was, I was finishing up my notes here. Wedding vows. That we say, right? You know, I take you to be mine in sickness and in health. In plenty and in want. In work and in rest. For better or for worse. On the good days and on the bad days. On the easy days and on the hard days. And I thought about that in our following Christ. That we're going to see difficult days. We're going to see really good days. And He's with us through both. He's our anchor in the difficult ones and our joy in the really good ones because we enjoy them that much more because we know that He's there with us and it all comes from Him. And when it gets hard, we don't want to be alone. Call somebody. When it gets hard, call somebody. Say, it's a tough day for me. I need to hear what Jesus said. I don't know what to do right now. I need to hear what Jesus said. Go to Him for me until I can get back up and go to Him on my own. And if John the Baptist, who out of the Savior's mouth, was the best that there had ever been, what a compliment, right? And again, I believe he was wanting them to, don't, don't misunderstand John. 
John's very special to the Father, and he's doing, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He needed somebody to go to Jesus for him. And Jesus didn't condemn him for that, didn't condemn them for coming. He said, go tell him. Go tell him what you're seeing. Tell him what you're hearing and encourage him with that. Amen. Stand up with me. I could, I could just keep going. I need to stop. He is good. He is so, so good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you see us in the times when we're confused, in the times that we're concerned, in the times that our heart would doubt, and that you don't condemn us, but you lovingly remind us who you are and what you said you would do, and you use others in our life to build us up. When we can't hear you, when the, when the noise of the world is so loud, I thank you that you've given us brothers and sisters to walk alongside us to tell us what you said. Lord, when things are keeping us from you, that you've given us those to walk beside who can get close to you and close to us and remind us that you were close the whole time. I thank you that we don't have to be afraid. But you're with us wherever we go. I thank you that you brought the kingdom, not just the one that was going to bring get somebody out of a jail cell in the immediate but the one was going to change hearts and through that change the world and glorify your great name thank you for your goodness God I pray for your people those that are here and those who are out and about God protect them keep them safe Lord strengthen us in the name of Jesus when we've got those at home re recovering I thank you that you bring healing and supernatural recovery right now. Right now where they are. I think it is strength flow in their body. Lord, those that have uh, things scheduled for this week, I thank you, Lord, that you be there. And you, you cause them to have favor with everybody that they deal with. Every person, every part of a procedure, I thank you that you're God and King. And I thank you that it'll be well and there will be peace there and recovery will be swift. Thank you for the common grace of being able to go to the doctor and receive care. Lord, we continue to pray that you relieve us from this virus, our community, our state, our country. Relieve us from, from, from this oppression. I thank you that you're God even during it. And Lord, for all of the, all of the anger and hurt and division, and, and evil and striving that we see in our country right now. You are the only one who can put it to right. You've brought us to here. You're the only one that can put it to right. Father, I thank you that the anointing that they saw on John the Baptist that burned into the hearts of men and women and caused them to turn their rebel hearts towards you and for those who are walking in foolishness to receive the wisdom of our God. I thank you, Lord, that that is not done away with. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us that the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And I thank you, Lord, that your gospel will go forth, not just in word, but in deed to change the hearts and the lives of the men and the women and the children of this country. 
God, that those who are far from you will see that you're the only one that can satisfy their hunger, that you're the only one that can quench their rage, that you're the only one that can satisfy the longings of their heart. God, that your kingdom would come and your will be done in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. And use us as you will in Jesus' name.